When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good evening, Rifters. This is Rifts and Rules, the 5e D&D podcast. We go through the many 5e books and talk about various rules and enhance your gameplay experience. I'm Nathan, the Dungeon Master of Riftwake. And I'm Remy, a player on Riftwake and a Dungeon Master myself. And today we're here to talk to you about artifacts. Nathan, what is an artifact? Uh, shiny and magical. Yes. Yes and no. You you got it the other way. Uh, it may be shiny, but it's always gonna be magic. It's magical so, and shiny. <laughs> God damn it, Nathan! An artifact is a unique magic item of tremendous power, per the Dungeon Master's Guide, and this is often an item that has a lot of history throughout Dungeons and Dragons, even going back previous editions. So what is particularly of interest to me for artifacts is that they are the closest thing in game to acceptable hand wavium. If you want to just have a fucking cool, powerful, unique thing, then artifact is the way to go. Uh, I'm curious, Nathan, are you aware of any of the named artifacts? Not really. I'm Nathan. All right. I mean, I know you know at least one. Uh, sure. <sighs> yes. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, uh, there are actually 31 named artifacts that have come out just for fifth edition throughout just the years that the edition has been going uh, throughout multiple books. There's a few that come out that are just from the Dungeon Master's Guide. A uh, whole bunch came out in the, uh, oh, what's that? The Mythic Odysseys of Theros newer book. Uh, there's a couple of kind of demonic ones that have been come out in uh, Descent into Avernus. There's really quite a lot of them at this point. However, using them in your own world is honestly something that can be debated because whether you want to use a named artifact in your own world depends on what your world is. If you're playing a game that takes place in the Forgotten Realms setting, then yeah, some of these might be famous artifacts in the world. But if you are playing in a game with homebrew, then that may or may not be the case. However, it is also certainly possible that you might just decide to use a named artifact just as inspiration for something else. So before I actually get too much into just how much I like artifacts, I should probably go back a bit and talk more about what is the basic rules of an artifact. So first things first, it is going to be a unique item. Part of the whole point of an artifact is that it is the only one in the world. So to use a more, you know, more popular 
just non-D&D example, the One Ring of Sauron in Lord of the Rings is an artifact. It is a unique item of tremendous power that has all kinds of abilities besides just the particularly well-known ones. And that's part of the fun of an artifact, is the fact that, depending on exactly which kind of item template you decide to use from the existing books, it is one of the types of items that can grow with a character, which is fucking awesome. And there's actually a lot more of that, particularly in the Mythic Odysseys book. So I do highly recommend just looking up either just the book itself or just a few of the items from that book to just take a look at how that can go, because they actually do have a rather interesting system to have the items grow with a character based on the deeds that the wielder has accomplished. But what is also nice is that besides just the fact that they can grow, they take advantage of what are called beneficial properties and detrimental properties. And this is part of the kind of flavoring of artifacts that makes it so much fun to me. And there are charts about all of these things in the Dungeon Master's Guide. Chapter 7 is all about sentient magic items, which can include artifacts. A quick quibble tangent, though, that is one thing that does kind of irk me in the organization of the book, like the chapter is sentient magic items, but an artifact can be sentient, but doesn't have to be sentient. So I would argue it should have just been in the magic items chapter, but I don't work for Wizards of the Coast. Anyway, so depending on the actual artifact, they can have different amounts of these properties. So just to throw a couple of examples out there, one of the more well-known artifacts and one that I actually have just kind of tweaked but used in my own world is something called the Wand of Orcus. So Orcus, you know, demon lord, god, you know, famous D&D character going back a very, very long time. The Wand of Orcus has existed through multiple editions and is a published item in 5th edition in the Dungeon Master's Guide as one of the example artifacts. And what is really cool about the mechanics of the item is that it has two minor beneficial properties one major beneficial property two minor detrimental properties and one major detrimental property so technically speaking one thing that is weird in my opinion is the fact that all artifacts is supposed to have random roles to get those properties which Seems odd for unique items. It seems that that should ah. be more purposeful. Yeah, that, but... that, that's kind of odd because I, I can only see myself being like, hey, this is a cool concept for a magic item and then just making it rather than, you know, pulling something from the ether. Yeah, like, I'll be honest, I love artifacts. However, the rules as written for artifacts is often very dumb. And I do highly recommend to just use the ideas that they give you in the books. And there are a lot of good ideas and just tweak them to suit your world. So I did just mention these properties, but I do want to just pull a couple of examples to just give ideas on how this can be particularly useful. So looking at the minor beneficial properties table, Let's see here. You gain proficiency in one skill of the DM's choice while attuned to the artifact. That's actually pretty cool because there are not a lot of ways to actually gain an item proficiency. 
So let's just use the Wand of Orcus as a kind of example here. And you can say, okay, while you're attuned to the Wand of Orcus, you are automatically proficient of with intimidation, because that is something that would suit the artifact. So just to like do a random roll for that, I don't recommend because that could be silly. Like you shouldn't be proficient in persuasion when you're attuned to the fucking wand of Orcus. That that would Remy, just be silly. I have a question. How specific hmm? and just, this is just like a random tangent, right? But how specific can these like proficiencies be? So all that again, that is one of the differences between just using the rules as written or just making it by whatever you want to be. So there are specific tables of these properties, but there also do exist a lot of third party charts with additional properties that you could use to pull from, or you could just make shit up. If you want to say, like, while attuned to this artifact, you gain cheese. expertise in a school of in a skill of your choice, like or in a skill you're proficient with or whatever you want it to be. Like, maybe there could just be like an artifact frying pan if you want to lean into like the more comical version and it's you know the frying pan from tangled but you are skilled with it as a weapon you're you gain proficiency in chef's tools and you know <laughs> like whatever like just because there are so many named artifacts doesn't mean that you can't just invent something else like maybe you have this you know artifact frying pan that is just you know, the you greatest chef to have ever lived, like as he died, you know, blessed the frying pan and passed it on to his successor. And that there's this like lineage of this pan getting passed down and that whoever owns the, you know, whoever wields the frying pan ends up becoming, you know, one of the best chefs and that it's been stolen. And, you know, the party has to help retrieve. Like you don't have to stay super serious with all of these things. Like Dungeons and Dragons is very often, you know, fine person, kill person. But like you can have more humorous leans in how you want to play your games. And so artifacts could be a fun way to kind of introduce that kind of flavor into your world to just from the outside in world building perspective that I'm fond of to think about what are the artifacts in your world? Like what are the things that are out there? how many of them are being currently used by individuals and how and like where are the lost ones because if you just made a list of let's say five you've got you know the five things that are just like these ancient historical super powerful you know damn near indestructible items and just like what are they and that can really kind of set a lot of the tone in your world because if you have there be, you know, something like Excalibur, you know, that is, you know, just you automatically gain expertise with, you know, melee weapon attacks, which is something that like no other item in the world grants its wielder, then that's a big fucking deal. And that's the kind of thing that would be like a famous thing told tales of. And if it is being wielded by someone, they would be like a well-known person is Excalibur, like the blade of the king. And like, that is just like a big deal in the world. Like, do you see what I mean about it setting like the tone and flavor just by having these powerful items? Yeah, that's actually now to think of it, then now knowing this i could say like certain items that i know of in my world are technically artifacts by the same measure yeah so if you have like actually a lot of the 
artifacts can be items made by demon lords, made by, you know, gods or demigods or just exceptionally powerful mortals. And again, that's part that just goes right back to setting the feel of it. If you have there be artifacts that are literally, you know, a god blessed this weapon for their chosen champion to help them defeat evil, then that tells you something about your world. And if you have, you know, there was a massacre of just terrible scale. Tens of thousands of people died here. And as the blood, you know, soaked into the ground, then, you know, it all crystallized together into, you know, this magic crystal that when wielded by a magic user grants, you know, these additional powers or abilities. And like I was saying earlier, hand wavy them, I would actually encourage more with an artifact because in the fifth edition Dungeon Master's Guide, it is very specific. You know, these artifacts have these properties that you can roll on this table for. It gives you access to these spells and these powers, and some of them are sentient with these goals. And it's sterile. <laughs> these nerds like, are boring. <laughs> boring isn't the right word because they're do they do have like all of these very specific abilities for them for a lot of them however there is also a lot of just kind of cool lore about them so just going back to the wand of orcas for a moment just because i like it let me just read one sentence here that's just kind of neat made from bones as hard as iron the wand is topped with a magically enlarged skull that once belonged to a human hero slain by Orcus. The wand can magically change in size to better conform to the grip of its user. Plants wither, drinks spoil, flesh rots, and vermin thrive in the wand's presence. Holy shit! That is three sentences that really set a mood. <laughs> I have a question. Yes. So, can you make vinegar with this? <laughs> uh, maybe, but it wouldn't be good vinegar. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend consuming it, but in theory, you may be able to. But I'd recommend hitting it with a, uh, you know, cleanse food and water first. <sighs> anyway, <laughs> that distracted me more than I thought it would, you jerk. <laughs> So there are all of these tables that have all of these things that you can roll on to just kind of make the artifact. However, one of the just most interesting things about an artifact is the fact that it is damn near indestructible. Again, think, you know, the One Ring, Voldemort's Horcruxes, like powerful magic items cannot be destroyed by normal means. It even is explicitly spelled out in the Dungeon Master's Guide. An artifact must be destroyed in some special way. Otherwise, it is impervious to damage. Each artifact has a weakness by which its creation can be undone. Learning this weakness might require extensive research or the successful completion of a quest. The DM decides how a particular artifact can be destroyed. And then they list a whole bunch of examples, like it must be melted down in the Volcano Forge or Crucible in which it's created. It must be dropped into the river Styx. It can or it has to be returned to its creator who can destroy it by touch. Like there's a whole bunch of things actually on this list. But the point being, 
magic items normally are durable, but not indestructible. So the fact that there can be these magic items of immense power that cannot be destroyed is part of the draw of using such an item. However, this is one of the areas in which I can have some fun. So, okay, it's known at this point that I kind of like the double-edged sword kind of thing. Like, I like having there be a cost to certain powers. An artifact is a crazy powerful object. Just That's just how it goes. You're not... Even the weakest artifact is still going to be a really good thing. So using something like those detrimental properties is fascinating to me. So some of... Let me just actually pick some of the actual... Uh, detrimental properties in the table just to kind of give an idea on some of the official versions that can exist. While attuned to the artifact, you're blinded when you're more than 10 feet away from it. That's actually pretty fucking cool. Because then you have to remember, like the first time especially, you as a DM can have some kind of fun with that because they go take a bath or a shower or, you know, they go, you know, clean off in a river they put down the sword or whatever the item is, and then all of a sudden just they're blind. And just like, what? Just, it's the kind of thing that like, huh, that's actually a really clever idea. And there are quite a lot of ways that you could make use of that. But there's also some things on here that are a lot more potentially inconvenient even than that, as bad as that thing is. While you're attuned to the artifact, animals within 30 feet of you are hostile towards you. That is a potentially really subtle, clever problem to have in that way. So it doesn't say, you know, wild animals or pet. It just says animals. So all animals within 30 feet are automatically hostile to you. So imagine if you're just walking through a city and you just walk by a pet shop and then all of a sudden everything in there just starts, you know, screeching and rattling in its cages. Imagine if you're walking around. And then all of a sudden, you know, there's a ranger that has like a bear animal companion that just immediately turns to you and starts to attack. Imagine if you're in the woods and your party is fighting a pack of wolves and then all of them just focus in on that character trying to immediately just uncontrolled hostility towards that person. Like that is a really clever thing to me on this list because it's just so potentially subtle. Although I will also say whether you have these properties be known to the wielder of the artifact is actually some debate because that is actually one of the very frequent criticisms of D&D in general and very frequently in 5th edition is how much do players know about the magic items that they have? Like do they just know just by the typical rule of examining it for an hour during a short rest? Or is it more to it? So, oh, what was it? Are you aware of a spell called Arcanist's Magic Aura? No. All right. So that's a pretty nifty spell that is honestly one that's kind of underutilized in my view that can either make a non-magical item seem magical or vice versa to make a magic item feel non-magical. And then it can also just change the feel of magic on a magic item. So that spell just exists 
in the world. And I mean, on player spell list. So it's definitely just available. So an artifact, I would argue, should almost by default have that because, well, actually, let me rephrase that. A choice that you can make is that art some artifacts can have that because there definitely are some artifacts that you want to have that like you know majestic or terrifying kind of presence but then you can also have some artifacts that are just magically disguised like maybe you just have a stick that's just it looks like an old man's walking stick it feels like a non-magical item but then they might realize like when they you know take this item from some wizard that they kill perhaps or if they just find it like in a place of prominence in some like vault somewhere that, huh, that's weird. This mon non-magical stick isn't breaking like they might, you know, have, you know, whack someone with it in the head and it just doesn't break. Or they just realize, huh, this thing's way more durable than I thought. That's weird. All right. Maybe I'll start using this as my staff. And like they can slowly learn over time and realize like, oh, shit, this is no non-magical stick. I don't know what the deal is yet. But this is awesome and I like it. So to have that just slower introduction of abilities, slower introduction of what makes this item special, because the sheer existence of that Arcanus magic or a spell does mean that you can have magic items in the world, and especially potentially an artifact here, that does not feel magical. And then it could be much harder for them to actually figure out what the abilities are. And maybe, you know, you as the DM can rule that, okay, if they cast the identify spell, then maybe they'll figure it out. Or maybe it is actually a sentient magic item, which is a thing that exists and actually might be worth an episode in the story, right, too, come to think of it. Like, maybe it is just a sentient magic item that just decides that, okay, you know, I like the cut of your jib. I'm going to let you have access to a little more abilities. And the sheer versatility of an artifact is a large part of the draw of using such an item just to me. And in addition to all of that, like there's a lot to say about artifacts. And obviously, like I cannot talk about all of the things just because there's too much. So what I do also want to point out, though, another just kind of example artifact to point out briefly is another just well, actually, I don't know if I could say it's a commonly known one, but it is a infamous one. I'll put it that way. The Axe of the Dwarvish Lords. So a lot of history with that one, a lot of just powers that this thing has. But even in addition to all of the various you know, abilities that it has, spells that it grants access to, you know, properties that it has, there's also one more just very interesting line to it. The axe also functions as a belt of dwarven kind, a dwarven thrower, and a sword of sharpness. Fucking hell. So in addition to all of the other properties that that has, it also gives you the abilities of three freaking additional magic items? Damn, that's, that's insane. Good. <laughs> like, the sword of sharpness alone is a very rare magic item, that when you hit with it, you maximize your weapon damage dice against objects. So if oh. you're using this to like bash down a wall or a door, you automatically deal max damage. And if you crit against a creature, then it does extra damage. And then you roll another d20, which if you roll another 20, 
then you automatically lop off a limb. It's a really cool item. So this artifact is two very rare magic items and a rare magic item all smushed together into this artifact. And that is amazing also. So, so many times attunement limits do kind of get in the way. Like there can be times where you want to have like attunement to the more fun magic items, but you just kind of can't because you need to use your attunement for, you know, the practical stuff. And like attunement is a good idea, but I'm not a super big fan of it myself. But by having an artifact like this, that's actually pretty damn cool because this gives you a way to kind of bend that a little bit more. Also, like the fact that they have this as a template is what I do want to emphasize, because obviously you can just take this item as it is and use it. You could take it as is and just kind of tweak it and make, you know, an axe of, you know, the orcish shaman or some such and just you know tweak the magic items that it has and like using our the existing artifacts as templates can be a fantastically helpful way to build an artifact for your world but again i like the idea of magic items that grow with a character so one idea that i have used which is to have an artifact that has like a couple of powers of its own but the big deal of the item is that it can basically eat other magic items, but only three. So you get the magic item and then you have to make the choice as your character grows. Like what magic items do you want to kind of feed to it to make it kind of like that Axe of the Dwarvish Lords that gains the properties of those existing magic items. But like in the event of like, you know, death and the item going to a new person, then that resets. So it's something that doesn't infinitely gain in power, but it's versatile. So what is it that, you know, the individual who is attuned to it in your world uses it for? Like, do they, you know, just use it as like that, you know, the, you know, super weapon? Or do they do something like, try to feed it a belt of giant strength instead so that whoever is attuned to that weapon just suddenly can have like a 25 strength while attuned to the axe or hammer or whatever it is that you decide to make it like hand wavium is something that I normally don't use a whole lot, but artifacts really are the exception because the whole point of an artifact is that they are unique magic items that are just at the top of the scale in power. So, Nathan, how would you use artifacts in your world? So, I technically have an item that is that could be considered a artifact of sorts. So there's the crown that the that's passed from ruler to ruler in the human kingdom that essentially gives the wearer all the wisdom and memories of the prior rulers, which is uh, pretty massive if you if you don't want the um, person ruling your country to not fuck up. And uh, the big whammy is that the, um, the crown has certain, what do you call that? Um, Preferences? Opinions? No, it's, it's more like a case where it 
changes the person that it's put upon. So essentially, why kind, kind yeah, kind kind of like suppresses the the person that it's under to do things that it wants the person to do. So yeah, it, it it's kind of that kind of thing where okay, like the the king's doing a great job, but but is the king okay? You know that kind of thing, but. Yeah, it's it's a interesting thing um, to 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 have in the world that um, like these sort of magical items that can really really do quite a lot in um, changing how the world works and how um, certain things happen. So, like in this case, the the kingdom has done okay thus far, and some people are like. Most people are like, "Hey, the the crown, pretty good." <laughs> and that, um, uh, like, if I were to create more uh artifact like things, it'd probably be cool ass weapons that, as a result of maybe the deeds of a player doing really fucking well, and yeah, that that kind of legend can grow as they kill monsters, uh, due to uh certain things that have been happening during Arc Two, and yeah. I think that's definitely something that could be brought up is a um an artifact could be made just by you know having the player get rewarded for killing special monsters that have specific powers as we've seen on the show and just have that build up. Ah, you actually brought up quite a few points in that. So thank you Nathan. So first things first, that crown is a perfect example of like making an artifact a unique item because if you look at the spells that do exist like there are like spells to grant telepathy there are actually existing spells that can trap the soul there are spells like to allow you to d- detect thoughts so that could be an example of like we know that types of magic exist in the world but you don't have to limit yourself to the existing spells you can and should for artifacts make shit up to get the effect that you want for just the tone that you're trying to set and yeah that crown is just perfect for that and besides that talking about the weapons so one thing that i actually have not talked about at all yet is the creation of an artifact and that is because it is something that is purposefully vague in the books but it is something that again as a dm doing the big picture world building it should at least be somewhat thought about even if you don't have like an exact mechanics to just have an idea that okay like maybe there are situations where like if a particular weapon is used to you know for like the killing blow on some like god or demon lord that that weapon may like absorb some power to grow into an artifact and that would fit like that is something that is like a canonical creation myth for some of the actual artifacts but it could also be like maybe there is just like some exceptionally skilled smith that does just like have this one item be their life's work and they have just imbued everything that they are into it and like on the last hammer blow on the forge like they themselves perished leaving this item as their legacy to the world like thinking about the lore behind your artifacts is just as important as thinking about the mechanics and i know that's a funny thing for me to say but as much as i do love the mechanics side of things artifacts are important 
artifacts should be part of the lore in your world. Like an artifact is not just something that just you come up with and like, oh, that's neat. I'm going to do that. Like, I highly suggest really putting thought into what is the like quantity of artifacts that exist in your world. Where are they? Who has them? Why are they? What is the stories behind? Because backstory is an important thing in your world. Why are the things in your world the way they are? Like, you don't have to come up with a, you know, 2000 plus year timeline like people like me do, although you can because it's fun. It, for me, I know your mileage may vary, but there are going to be these like just world changing events. And there can be individual items that do help shape these historical events. Like thinking back to that Excalibur example, like is there some like item of the king or the crown in Riftwick that you were talking about, Nathan? Artifacts are unique, powerful, versatile items. And for all of those reasons, please put thought into using them in your own worlds because they can help shape the feels, shape the history, shape the world. Thanks for listening to this episode of Rifts and Rules. Please leave us a review and give us five stars on iTunes. Also, support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash riffwakepodcast. Tier stars lose a dollar and even that much really helps us out. Supporters get benefits such as behind-the-scenes content, early access to episodes, access to the Patreon Discord where we will chat with the cast, and even a shout-out on the show. Find us on social media on Twitter at Riffwake Podcast, on Facebook as Riffwake, on Reddit on the subreddit r slash Riffwake Podcast, and you can send us an email, riffsandrules at gmail.com. That's riffs, A-N-D, rules at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye! You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.